0: listening to Cinema Rex. It's an Iranian film podcast. Episode seven, Ashtar Fire The Separation. I'm sending you an email. Um, Don't open it yet to the podcasters. Okay.
1: Is it a secret email?
0: Yeah, it's your uh, it's your pink slip, your resignation papers. Um, You've been busy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been a crazy little while. New York, back now, then Ottawa, Montreal, and then LA.
0: I just think you've fallen in love with a different podcast host.
1: <laughs> Never.
0: Honeymoon period's over, baby. <laughs> now nah, you've moved in with me and you're like, I don't like this about <laughs> oh, him, I don't no. like that. Aziz, This is the Cinemax podcast where we discuss all things Iranian film and cinema and movies. What's the difference between film and cinema and movies? One sounds more artsy. I'm Kaveh Mohebi. And I'm Farhan Moradi. Uh, one sounds more artsy. Uh, cinema sounds artsy or f- film? I think the
1: ranking is cinema sounds the most artsy the and most. then film and then movie. And then talkie. Talkie's at the bottom.
0: Yeah, <laughs> talkie for uh, radio plays now. Yeah, yeah. Or podcasts, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, welcome to our talkie. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, open up email I sent you now. Okay. I'm going to explain to you what I have. I went to ChatGPT and I said, write a script, write an opening script for a podcast about two Iranian co-hosts uh, talking about Iranian cinema. So they wrote this little thing, they being the AI, and it's with Kevin. We're going to read it right now. Read okay. it like you're performing, okay? okay? So this was written by ChatGPT. Salam listeners, welcome to another episode of Persian Frames, the podcast where we explore the vibrant world of Iranian cinema. I'm your host, Kavis Cinemania, and joining me as always is the man who has a PhD in popcorn popping, Faran Filmophile.
1: Thanks, Kaveh. Excited to dive into the cinematic treasures of Iran today.
0: Absolutely. Iranian cinema is like a golden, is like a hidden gem waiting to be discovered. It's not just about kebab kebab and Persian rugs. We've got some serious storytelling mojo going on.
1: True that, Kaveh. It's like Iranian (laughs) filmmakers have this magical ability to turn everyday life into a cinematic masterpiece. Take A Separation, for example, a divorce drama that could give any Hollywood thriller a
0: run for its money. Ah, A Separation, the film that proves you don't need car chases and explosions to keep an audience on the edge of their seats. The only explosions here are emotional, not CGI.
1: And don't get me started about the poetic beauty of Abbas Kiarostami's films. The man could make a 90-minute movie about a tree, and you'd leave the theater (laughs) questioning the meaning of life. (laughs)
0: it's <laughs> so true faran kirastami had this gift for making simplicity profound it's like he took a master class in saying a lot with very few words or in his case very few scenes
1: <laughs> and we can't ignore the powerhouse that is Askar Farhadi. the man <clears throat> knows how to craft a narrative that's
0: tighter than a persian rug <laughs> faran you and your rug references but you're right Farhadi's films are like intricate puzzles You think you have it all figured out, but then he drops a plot twist that leaves you questioning everything.
1: Speaking of puzzles, what about Iranian cinema's knack for blending drama and comedy seamlessly, huh? I mean, About Ellie is a roller coaster of emotions from laughter to suspense and back again.
0: Absolutely. It's like our filmmakers have a PhD in the human condition. They can make you laugh and cry with the same scene.
1: So to our listeners, if you haven't explored Iranian cinema yet, you're missing out on a cinematic feast. Move over Hollywood because Persian frames is where the real magic happens.
0: Couldn't have said it better, Faran. Until next time, folks, may your frames be Persian and your popcorn plentiful. Salam again at the end.
1: I love how this is this is the script for the whole podcast. Like it's not yeah, even like it just like ends. It. The podcast yeah. is like 20 seconds long.
0: This what's really funny is I put this in and it just happened to mention a separation right off the top. That's which so was, funny. I didn't I didn't even give that as an input. Yeah, I was wondering if, if you, like, fed it that. Nope. Didn't even tell it that. So it just goes to say, the film we're covering today, which is? Uh, a separation. <laughs> well, what's it in Farsi?
1: Uh, I have to f- pull it up because I forget. I, I It's uh, it's long. It's not just Jodai. It's like...
0: Well, it's like it's the, the separation of Negin and Nader. Na- Nader some, and Simia. So what is it? Simin. Simin. Uh, yeah, something like that. Well... Yeah.
1: And the Golden Globe goes to... From Iran, A Separation.
2: And the Oscar goes to... A Separation, Iran, Oscar Faraday.
1: A Separation is the first movie from Iran to win
0: the Academy Award for Foreign Language Film. This film is obviously one of the most famous Iranian films of all time. Oh, I found it. Jodaiye, Nader as Simin. The separation of, from, of Nader from Simin. Um, yeah, it's... I mean, what's it most known for, Farhan?
1: What, what do you mean? For being an Iranian movie that won an Oscar?
0: For being the first Iranian film to win an Oscar. Oh, I didn't know that. It's the very first. After everything Kiarostami did... Or um, Panahi. Panahi, Kimia Or Mer- Merchui, Kimi- It's It was Farhadi winning in 2012. Wow. World's first Iranian Oscar winning film.
1: I don't know why. I thought Majidi would have gotten one first. Because Majidi had a, a few films that did really well internationally. But I just looked it up. Apparently he was nominated but didn't win.
0: A list of, uh, list of Iranian films to be nominated for Oscars. Yeah, if you look at the list, Children of Heaven, <laughs> it has yeah. Argo on this list. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, they've had quite a few nominations in the past, but they've never, like, this was the first to win. And maybe yeah. maybe they won editing or something. I don't know. I know there's been nominations for editing. Mm. But this is, yeah, the first best picture, like, best foreign language film.
1: Mm.
0: Um, should I dive right into plot summary? Yeah, let's do it. A married couple are faced with a difficult decision to improve the life of their child by moving to another country or to stay in Iran and look after the, a deteriorating parent who has Alzheimer's disease. Nader and Simin argue about living abroad. When Simin leaves him, Nader hires a young woman, Razieh, to take care of his suffering father. A few days in with Razieh having started working, an argument between Nader and Razieh results in an unforeseen incident, the result from which threatens both their standing in the community with their respective spouses and children among others thrown into the mix, with each individual seeking their own brand of justice. Soon, Nadir and Simin find themselves entangled in a web of lies, manipulation, and public confrontations as the ensuing debate leaves the future of everyone's fate and humanity hanging in the balance. It has a Rotten tomato score of 99% and an audience score of 92%. So on I ask you, what did you think of a separation?
1: Man, it is so stressful. Like I've seen the movie a few times, and when we were talking about doing it for the podcast, I was avoiding it for so long because it's such a stressful watch. Um, and then as it's I was a heartbreaking
0: watching, watch too, yeah. Like even more so than stressful. I just can't help constantly feeling really, really sad for all the characters involved.
1: Yeah, yeah. It uh, it's funny because obviously the subject matter isn't as as dark as Holy Spider. But mm-hmm. I felt way more tension from this, mm-hmm. a different kind of tension. Yeah, like that was more suspenseful. This was more just like you're stressed out and
0: aggravated for everybody. One thing that kept coming back to me, and we'll go into specific scenes later on, but it just an overall view was it, what struck me was like how real it all felt and how this kind of felt like mm-hmm. I could almost see this happening to someone I know the arguments that kind of like snowball out of something very small like a minor push get out of my door to becoming something tragic to becoming something everyone's entangled in these web of like lies and what secrets and should i tell this part of the story like if i tell this something, and it just seemed very human and down to earth yeah. holy spider of course is like about a serial killer and that's its own version of thrilling and terrifying and tension inducing but this is almost like very human and this is just Two families having a, uh, something tragic has happened between them. And it's, it seems so much more possible. You know what I mean? A misunderstanding, a mistake. You're like here and there.
1: Every layer of complexity in this film could be the subject of a whole other movie. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like yeah. just the thing with her tying his dad to the bed is, mm-hmm. is already something that you could make a whole movie about that. Or the fact that she has to keep cleaning up after... Uh, this old man with Alzheimer's or whatever. Like any one of those plot points could be the entire storyline of another movie. And the fact that like with every scene, more and more uh, obstacles get thrown at the characters and complicate the story,
0: uh, I think is is what makes the movie so compelling and engaging. Before we go any further, let me do this because it's one of the films, it's one of the first films I thought if anyone hasn't seen this film yet, first of all, I'd highly recommend watching it first, then listening to this podcast. But just because I feel like the plot summary I give is a little bit more IMDB-ish and doesn't go into specific details, I just want to go over broad strokes of the major scenes that happen so that if people are listening to this and for some reason haven't seen the film or aren't interested yet to see the film, they at least know the specific things we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Well, I, yeah, I always fear that we just end up jumping around so much. But I And specifically with this because it's so twisty in a weird way, mm-hmm. um, it's just good to get the foundational beats down. So what it is is... Nadir and Simeon start off that they're they're trying to get the separation um, from one another, and based on the Islamic law that runs the country, they actually don't have a proper right because you can't separate from one another unless your husband's been beating you, or is an alcoholic, or is a drug addict, or something like that. She she wants to leave the country. It's not yeah. that
1: like they were they gave them permission to get the divorce, and and the and the husband because both of them consented to it. They were like, you both need to consent.
0: Oh, right. So, well, I mean, that's the part of the Islamic law. Like, she can't just yes. leave unless they both consent. And then and he ge- he gives us consent in the opening scene.
1: But the conflict at the beginning of the story is that she wants to leave. Simi, the wife, wants to leave Iran and take the daughter with her. But mm-hmm. Nader says, you can leave if you want, but you're not taking my daughter without me. And then finally, mm-hmm. he's like, you know what? Fine, let her decide whatever she wants. And then the wife is like, Well, we already know that she wants to stay with you. So that's the way that the movie starts.
0: Yeah. And also, I think there's a whole thing about how she doesn't necessarily want the divorce. I think you start slowly realizing it's more about she wants to get out of the country. And she, you know, she breaks down at one point in tears and says, He has not once asked me not for a divorce, and he's not once asked me to stay. Yeah, It's just been like, and there's something I'll get to about the fact that this is a very secular couple. They're not very religious. It's clear from the way their house is designed, too. They're not a religious uh, couple. Uh, They're not a religious family. Mm -hmm. Um, But the point is that because she's not going to be in the house, and Nadir has to stay at home and take care of his father, who is ailing with Alzheimer's, is barely able to even stand up a little and take care of himself. He has to stay at home. So they hire essentially jumping through a few scenes. They end up hiring this um, woman, Razia and Razia. What isn't known quite to us right away. And whether or not neither knows is that she's pregnant with child. I think late second term, uh, second trimester or maybe even in the third trimester. And she's actually having a hard time taking care of this man because she's pregnant she realizes very early on that this man is too sick and she's incapable of taking care of him because one day when she was taking out the trash, he walked out into traffic. She, um, when she returns the next day, she needs to run a quick errand, which we soon discover is going to be to go to the doctor to get a checkup, to get a sonogram because she thinks something's wrong.
1: Well, because the, the day before when she went to collect the old man from traffic,
0: she ends up getting hit by a car. Yes. The audience gonna- doesn't see that. We don't know that yet. Yeah. That scene is deliberately cut out. But because she needs to go out and she's f- worried about her father, b- worried about the man she's taking care of running out into traffic again, she's tied him to a bed. So now Nadir shows up to realize that Razia isn't there. Her father's His father has fallen off the bed and is still tied to the bed. So he thinks, like, what's going on? This is my dad is almost like incapable of. Like, he's in really bad shape here. What did you do? And the ensuing argument leads to a push. Nadir pushes Rahia out the door saying, get him a house. On top of that, he's accusing her of stealing money because in a previous scene to that, we had seen um, Simin take the money to pay the piano movers. There's two men moving a piano down the stairwell, and she takes out the extra cash to give it to them. So when he sees money missing, he's accusing Razia of stealing. Now, this push leads him leads Razia to falling, and the next thing we know is Nadir is hearing from everybody in the community that she's been rushed to the hospital because she had a miscarriage.
1: And wh- one other thing that we should mention is that in an earlier scene, when Razia is taking out the trash, or when she gets her daughter to take out the trash, it rips onto the stairs mm-hmm. and it makes a mess. One of the neighbors calls it out and then... Uh, she goes back and mops the stairs. Yeah. So the stairs are also wet.
0: Yeah, the stairs are also wet. But also, she had told the neighbor, "Oh, um, I was feeling dizzy." She'd want to cover up from the fact that her daughter had ripped the the garbage. So she yeah. had told the neighbor, "I was feeling dizzy. That's why I spilled the thing." So oh, like save face for her daughter. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't, we don't need to, from there, it's just uh, uh, the accusations pile upon one another. And now Nadja's actually facing a murder charge because the life of the child had been, if he did indeed cause the miscarriage by pushing Razia, um, he is could be charged with murder. At the same time, uh, Razia is looking at being charged with uh, like some sort of assault or whatever for like tying the father to the bed. And, yeah. So, so there's accusations going both ways. It's a lot of, I mean, it's your kitchen sink drama in the sense that the pressure's mounting and these two families are getting at each other's, uh, in their faces. And also, um, uh, and they're like,
1: ho- impl- they're like implicating neighbors and implicating like the, the daughter's tutor who was over at the house, the kids yeah. get involved, the spouses yeah. get involved, the like coworkers of these people get involved.
0: And we haven't mentioned that Razia's husband, uh, Hojat, plays a major part in this. And he is a loving husband. They're clearly from a more religious family and a lower class family. And he's sort of becoming the main aggressor towards Nadir, saying, you pushed my wife. You've caused the death of my unborn child. And I want essentially what they keep referring to as blood money, which is you pay a certain amount um, for the the loss of the death of my child. And Nadir is not necessarily saying, I don't want to pay because I don't want to pay. But for him... Pay, the payment would be admission of guilt. And he says, I did, not ca- I did not push you to cause your miscarriage. I shoved you out of my door. And how could that have caused the miscarriage? You couldn't have fallen down the stairs. So that all being said, I think this is an important thing to kind of get out because there's so much to this. It's it's a film about, in my opinion, people who are stuck. They're very trapped in their situation. Mm. I almost want to add a scene now at this point calling it opening shot. Kaveh's opening shot corner.
1: That's that's the longest name for a segment.
0: Kaveh Mohebi's uh, interest and fascination with the opening shots in the film corner. Because do you remember what the opening shots are? The yeah. The first two shots of this film?
1: It's the uh, passports getting scanned.
0: Yeah. Over the credits, there's the opening of the, of the photocopiers and their passports being uh, filmed. And my first day, I don't know if you have a takeaway to this, but I really thought this is like, the first version we see these characters is through government eyes. Through documents, cold, uh, it's not personal, it's very clinical, it's lawful. They're not seen as people. They're just kind of seen as like, here's your stats, here's your face, here's your name. It's not warm at all. And that's the first time we see them. Mm -hmm. Cut to the very next time we see them, the very first shot we actually see outside of those uh, photocopiers is the two of them talking to a judge that we never see. They're facing the camera. And essentially, we are in the POV of the judge. In this scene, they're both stating their claim for why they want the separation. And we, the audience, are the judge. As if I already saying, for the rest of this film, the audience is the judge of what the what the uh, pieces of evidence are in this case. Mm. And not, not specifically the separation, but the uh, shove. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are just the two things I really liked. That has been Kaveh's opening shot corner. What else? What you have any other feelings? Thoughts?
1: Uh I think it's also possible that showing the um the passport mm-hmm. as the opening shot is kind of a way for the filmmaker to maybe talk about the fact that a lot of Iranians have been em- uh emigrating and trying to leave Iran mm-hmm. without necessarily getting too much into it because of like yeah. government censorship around the film and like the this is I think the only time that you hear anyone be critical of Iran, like the society, the economy, the government, whatever, um, in the whole film is when Simin is making her case and her husband and the judge are both like, there's nothing wrong with Iran. What are you talking about? Yeah. But in that scene, I think you can tell that the, the person who is probably the most, probably the, the person that we we're rooting for the most in that given scene is probably Simin. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as the rest of the movie goes on and you see these terrible situations that everybody's getting into, I think it goes back and lends to that thesis of the start of the film that Simin that gives. So I think opening it on those
0: passports is a little bit of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the audience. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Simin for a second? Because I think of the four main characters, she ends up getting probably the least amount of screen time. But I think there's something really interesting way, the, the way Fahadi and the actor Leila Hatami have created her because she's got the dyed red hair, right? Mm. You can tell that compared to Razia, she's less religious, mm-hmm. if religious at all. Her and Nadir are a pretty secular family. And you can see in her interactions with Nadir that she is not this doting sort of... She's she's like you like to say she's actually commanding a lot of agency in this relationship. She doesn't she's not subservient to Nader. She's not afraid to voice what she wants. And Nader, respectively, too, is actually very um, welcoming to that. She he, he doesn't appear to be this kind of necessarily this husband who's like, no, no, you'll do what I say when I say. He says, if you want to leave, you're free to leave. You're not taking my daughter. But in terms of the arguments they have, I feel like you don't see that power imbalance that you might see in a lot of specifically religious uh iranian couples
1: yeah i feel like a lot of the conflict in their relationship stems from the fact that nader is just very prideful yeah obviously later on he becomes a little more like he becomes dishonest and we see him tell lies to try to avoid going to jail but uh his biggest f- character flaw is the fact that he uh is prideful and i think the biggest flaw for Simin is the fact that she, for the sake of making peace, she's willing to like give up on things. And whether that be give up on Iran and leave the way that Nader puts it or give up on leaving so that she can stay and, and raise her daughter. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and, or even like giving up on the whole um, court case and just like, Paying money to the the husband of the woman. Because mm-hmm. she's like, she, the, the wife is like, you know what? I don't think your husband actually caused the miscarriage. I think the miscarriage was caused because of the car accident, whatever. And then she's like, don't pay us. Please don't pay us. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. feel guilty about this, knowing that it was likely the car that caused the miscarriage. And seeming is still like, if we don't pay you, your husband is going to be harassing us for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. So she's like, again, even though it's, it's not the, it's not the, like, legally, even though it's not, like, legally required, she's still willing to do it just for the sake of making peace and and everything she does in the film is for the sake of making peace and she says it's for the betterment of her daughter and like and to be honest the degree to which she pushed, the degree to which she pushes that could be seen as a flaw yeah especially when her husband is somebody who has so much pride that he's willing to give up everything for the sake of his pride
0: yeah and with that i mean he You know, there's something really interesting about the privilege that he has. Like, he has the privilege to have pride. Where, like, like Simin, again, like, going back to this, Simeon wants a more progressive life for herself. She wants to leave Iran because they kind of allude to the fact that this isn't the life she wants for her and her daughter. Mm -hmm. And and Nadir keeps saying, it is that thing we said. In the kitchen, they argue about it later on, too. He's like, you're the one who wants to leave Iran and take our daughter with you. I'm perfectly happy here. Mm -hmm. And later on, when Nadir talks about... Um, Not real, like whether or not he's lying, which we do find out later on to a certain degree he was lying, but when he claims that he didn't know Razia was pregnant, which is a big part of the uh, back and forth, Mm -hmm. he's claiming not to have known when he pushed her. He's saying, I didn't even know why would a pregnant woman want to even come and take this job? Why would a pregnant woman come and apply for a job like this? Mm -hmm. He's saying that I couldn't tell she was pregnant, and he shows up, and it's like he's got the privilege to be like, he doesn't even realize that they might be at such a lower standing, even economically, that they're desperate for money she mm-hmm. needs the money there's a lot of argument back and forth of like oh, i'm gonna pay you three hundred thousand to manage like it's really low can you please pay me more or whatever and neither does have the pride but he has the privilege to have the pride he can he can sit there and be the judge of other people's decisions being like why would a pregnant woman want to work here but it's yeah like, you don't realize because you are of a higher standing and you have wealth you have you know maybe not the wealthiest family but they're more affluent compared to Razia's. yeah even right? just
1: the state of like of their house right like yeah, their their walls, the drywall is good, whatever. But then when you, when you see, um, Razia's house, it's all like falling apart. The yeah, the drywall is like chipping. The door frames are broken. It's like, much smaller. Yeah, everyone's sitting on the ground, and the Porsches yeah. are all ripping apart. Um, yeah. yeah, I will also say I think that because early on in the film, he, I don't think we see it right. The conversation that that uh, she has with the tutor, right, about the fact that she's pregnant. No, we see that.
0: We, we see do? Because
1: I even went yeah, back it, and I couldn't find that
0: scene. No, she asks for the number and she says she wants it for a sonogram. We specifically even see that Nader is out of the room.
1: Okay, okay. He's I, not in there either. Okay, I didn't... Uh, when I went back, I couldn't find it. But in any case, I think the fact that he doesn't bring up that she's pregnant, I think he willfully chooses to ignore it again for his pride because i think yeah. if it's put in front of him then he knows he's gonna have to be like i can't give you this job because yeah. you're you're like a pregnant woman you can't do this right but at least yeah. now he can pretend to be ignorant of it and and everything's okay because it's all about saving face and like public image and everything and and his yeah his public uh like shame i guess
0: there's also, I mean, the funny thing, too, is they kind of, they, Fat Hardy does a thing where he kind of does the slow burn of the pregnancy. Because she does, in Nadia's defense,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it is pretty quite hidden. She's not an obviously pregnant woman when you first, she's wearing so much of the rosary, the garb, she's covered, mm-hmm. and her stomach isn't that apparent. But the one moment you first realize is when her little daughter's playing, she comes over and, like, yeah. kisses her stomach and then puts her head to the ear and says, I can't hear anything. And, and then he's like, is he kicking? Is he playing? He's waiting. You know, so it's like, that's the first small sign, and you yeah. can't even really tell that she's pregnant. So yeah. it's like showing great trust in your audience, very economic storytelling. you know. It's not exposition, but it's almost like walking this line of, she could be pregnant, but she also might not be. But then you're confirmed like 20 minutes in, 25 minutes into the film. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was really interesting about this, this continuous thread of like, People's morality are constantly called into question. Mm -hmm, They have mm -hmm. to not just defend it for their own standing, but Nadir specifically is like, you know, there's like a scene when he's filling up gas and he's watching his daughter through the rear view window, fill up the gas. And it's like, Mm -hmm. how much did it come to? She's like $37. And he's like, well, where's the rest? He goes, he took the rest for a tip. And he goes, Mm -hmm. the tip is for when they pump the gas. for you. Go back and get the money. She goes back and get the money. And so now you're like, oh, is Nader being a cheapskater? But when she goes back in the money and they start driving, he's like, okay, you got the money back? She goes, yeah. He goes, you keep it. That's for you. So it's like he's, he's saying like, that, like teaching her to. He's teaching her. And he's kind of right also. Like, it's not about a cheap thing. It's like, I think the guy was trying to like get one over on this little girl. And he's like yeah. trying to teach her the right thing. And that's what he's constantly doing. At one point when he's talking about the Arabic languages, she's like, my teacher wants me to write this also in Arabic. He's like, no, no, you write it in Farsi say so I'll lose marks for it if I write it in us. he goes you do the right thing it doesn't matter you like if you lose marks for it you'll lose marks for it but you'll do the right thing and Nadir is one who really truly believes in doing the right thing and you're constantly being like like if I already really expertly keeps swapping you like who your allegiance with is in this case which does play out like a civil case but it also mm-hmm. plays out like a little bit of a detective mystery is constantly swapping yeah, Because you're like, oh, is Nadir an asshole? Did he know? No, he's a good man. He didn't do this. Oh, but maybe he did know this one thing. You're like, no, okay, you know what? But he's actually caring about this. And I think that's one of the real strengths of this film is that he's never kind of placating anybody as this guy is good and this guy is bad. Mm-hmm. This person's wrong. This person's right. It's constantly in this carousel of changing.
2: Mm-hmm. Your, your,
0: your POV or your opinion of it is like scene by scene shifting, which I think is really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, he says the exact quote is what's wrong is wrong no matter who says what that's what he says about the gas station mm. oh no sorry that's what he says that's what he says about the teacher about
1: thing. the teacher yeah
0: yeah the other thing I was gonna say I remembered now was when they're first arguing and um, Nadir's gonna spend a night in jail and he does then the second night Hujat comes out and he's yelling at the judge so much that it's like now you're gonna spend the night in jail you can see both of them Nadir gets really Sad for him because, is it Razia? I keep wanting to say it.
1: I don't know if it's, it's Razia or Razia. To be honest, I don't remember. Razia,
0: Razia. Uh, she's begging the judge, please. He's got depression. He's been in jail. He he won't be able to get hired again. And you even hear, see Nadia watching this and he goes, judge, can you please give him a pass? Like just this one time, don't send him to jail. It's like, you could see them caring for one another. They are squabbling over this thing that is important. But at the mm-hmm. same time, they keep finding the humanity in one another. Again, doing that thing of like, you have sympathy with this guy, then all of a sudden you're kind of like, oh, maybe he is an asshole, but then he does something to redeem himself. Well, because I think a lot of this comes back to desperation. I think people are doing
1: things out of desperation Mm -hmm. and out of self survival. Mm -hmm. And then once they are put against the fact that, oh, this is having repercussions on another person, then they're like, okay, fine. Like eventually they give in, right? Yeah. Um, and then as soon as they give in, then the other person is like, okay, you know what? I was holding back some information. Here's the rest. And then all of a sudden everything explodes again, you know? And and even, yeah. even down to when you were talking about the gas station guy, like that guy's asking for, he's like taking that money probably out of desperation, probably because he needs that money to to buy yeah. food, right? And yeah, and the the piano guys taking the piano up the stairs, they're like asking for more, more money and they're they're like, well, you said it was this many floors, whatever It's probably because they need that money to get food or they're like, we can't give you we can't pay you more money to take care of the house and take care of my dad. That's all we can yeah. do anymore. And, and it'll actually like like we won't be able to afford it. And then they on the flip side are like, we need a little more. Like everyone is constantly trying to get more out of each other and and more out of given situations out of desperation.
0: Well, and that's why I go back to this idea of like, these. this is a story about people just stuck in their situation, no matter what class they're from or how religious they are or secular, mm-hmm. they're all stuck in their own way because the way the structures of the law and justice create, uh, the way the system is creating the structures with that they live within, it's they're saying things to protect themselves, but in doing so are throwing the other person even further under the bus. Yeah. And they don't necessarily want to harm the other People They just want justice or protection for themselves. Yeah. And again, like a whole thing of Razia's thing is that her um, husband doesn't even know for the longest time that she's working there as like the caretaker of the house. Yeah. And and I guess by the rules or the Islamic law, maybe it's not a law, but essentially it's like, he's saying that, how dare you get my wife to be working there without asking my permission first? Hojat's upset about that. You know, again, it's just like this like patriarchal structure that has gotten in the way of He's also mad at Nader because it's like, you asked my wife to work at your place without confronting me. Like, you didn't tell me. and uh, ask my permission. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As a single man coming to your house. Yeah. And it's just like, they're more, it's like, they're more victims of the system that they're under rather than their specific beef with one another.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's go to behind the scenes and trivia.
1: Do you have stuff? Uh, the only one that I have is the fact that Farhadi's daughter plays Terme.
0: Yeah, I had that one, too. Director Asghar Fahardi's first idea for the film was the image of a man washing his father who had Alzheimer's. He built the rest of the film around that scene. Oh, that's interesting. The film has no musical score except during the end credits. Did you notice that? Uh, you have to say no, because if you shake your head, it oh, just sounds that's like right. dead air. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> shakes his head no. It just sounds like you didn't respond to me. Uh, Director Jaskar Farhadi made a speech at the House of Cinema Film Festival in support of Iranian filmmakers who were banned from making movies, including Bahman Qobadi Qobadi, and imprisoned filmmaker Jafar Panayi. In retaliation, Iran's Ministry of Culture and Islamic Guidance stopped filming for 10 days. For which film? For this one? Yeah, I think he made a speech during production of this film at the House of Cinema Film Festival. That's
1: interesting.
0: Because Farhadi has also
1: been criticized multiple times whenever there's like protests and stuff that come up for for the fact yeah for not speaking out and often by the time that he does speak out it's already like been going on so long that people are kind of like okay yeah now you're gonna speak out
0: um critical reactions Shall we go yeah or do you have more behind the scenes
1: no that's it i mean the uh, the only other thing is a lot of actors and this is probably just Nature of working in Iran. Farhadi is known for working with some actors who have been supportive of the Iranian government, and so mm-hmm. he's also been criticized for working with people like that. Oh, uh, okay. But I would argue that 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 is pretty common if you're making movies in Iran, regardless. Of course. Like I yeah. think I think if you're working with a film crew, which is naturally going to have like a couple hundred people involved when you include cast and crew and everyone yeah. around it. There's bound to be at least a couple people who toe the party line.
0: Well, I mean, just the sheer fact that if you're making a film within Iran and you're getting the culture's, you're getting the government's money, you're technically in a partnership with them. Yeah, and and, making a film with them.
1: Yeah, and even going back to that thing of desperation, and people in in these situations will kind of do and say things for the sake of their survival. There, there. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the people who've said certain weird things um, did it for the sake of their survival. Mm-hmm. And this it's especially more prevalent during the making of um of his next film which is also on the list so when we get to that one we can we can talk about this a little more.
0: Critical reactions. Roger Ebert gave it five sorry, gave it four stars. He does a 4 out of 4. Oh, I so thought you were going
1: to say five five thumbs up. <laughs> I was like, what? Roger
0: Ebert gave it four stars. Uh, I just want to do this quote because a separation is a film in which every important character tries to live a good life within the boundaries of the same religion that this leads them into disharmony and brings them up before a judge is because no list of rules can account for human feelings. The film provides a useful portrait of Iran today. Some inflamed American political rhetoric has portrayed it as a rogue nation eager to start nuclear war. All too many Americans. I fear picture Iranians as camel riding harem harem keepers. Certainly some of Iran's punishments for adultery that we read about seem medieval. But this film portrays a more nuanced nation and its decent characters are trying to do the right thing. To untangle right and wrong in this fascinating story is a moral challenge. I
1: think that that's a really dope analysis.
0: That's your man Raj.
1: I forgot he doesn't, I forgot that they don't do thumbs up, thumbs down anymore.
0: Well, they don't do anything anymore because they're both dead. This is true. (laughs) Um, Thumbs down for death. (laughs) Two thumbs down. (laughs) It's like four thumbs up, one thumb down trying to close okay so yeah deeper analysis do you have okay did you want to sink your teeth into some subtext themes
1: yeah well i guess the the passport thing we've already talked about but also i think the fact that she has red hair that seeming has red hair cuz yeah. i don't think that's her natural hair like it looks dyed no it's dyed it's 100% yeah. dyed like i would imagine that that might be reflective of the fact that she wants to leave Iran and go to Europe or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, it's reflective of her being progressive too. Like you just look at her as a comparison to Razia and just the yeah. way they both wear their chador differently. But She's I would also, way more,
1: I would also argue like against the use of the word progressive in this case because, um, not there is way more secular than Razia is. But mm-hmm. Razia, I would argue is more honest throughout the film. Yes. Like just in terms uh, of like more like progressive in, in the moral sense, I wouldn't I wouldn't use it to, to describe. Wait, you think
0: she's more she'd say Razia is more honest? Yeah. The one who lied about not the lie the one who didn't tell the truth about getting hit by a car, which but then she did everything. Well, all of them end up admitting to their lies. He does not admits. No, yeah, not doesn't he, he
1: only admits to the daughter. She doesn't admit right, to everybody yeah, else.
0: Right. Well, that's an admission. I guess. <laughs> um
1: yeah. But but she also, I guess it's 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 a question of which one is more like, is an omission of truth still lying versus right. straight up lying? I think well, one is worse, personally. Like they're, they're both dishonest, but I would argue one is. One is dishonest and the other one is lying.
0: Well, this is good for deeper analysis because I think this is exactly the kind of conversation Faharty wants people to have. If you take that thing of the opening shot, like I suggested, is you're in the seat of the judge. They're talking to you, right? Yeah. And at the end, when the daughter is sitting and it's like, okay, are you going to make a decision about who you want to live with your mother or your father? She goes, yeah, I'm ready to make my decision. And we never see the result. And I think that specifically is saying, Faharty thought if I ever show you who she ends up going with, I'm cat it's it might be interpreted as I'm saying that person was in the right or wrong. And mm-hmm. he doesn't want by the end of the film for him, for the director himself to be telling you this person was correct. He I think he very much wants the audience to have their own opinion. You mm-hmm. make your opinion at the end of this, who had the most morality, who was right, who was wrong. Was everybody a victim? And so this fact that we're even dis- disagreeing with like who was more honest is I think deliberately the point of the film. And do you, you know do you agree with? Him omitting her answer? Yes, because of the fact that I feel like it's also not... The story ends up... It's almost like a red herring. The story isn't about the separation. The separation is the catalyst for the things that lead to the inciting incident, which is the push. Mm. But it's almost like the film wasn't about whether or not this daughter is going to live with her mom or dad.
1: The film
0: is about these people stuck. You disagree?
1: I disagree. We can talk about it during hot takes because I know it's a hot take. I know it's a spicy uh, take. Okay. But I will also say that I would I would argue that mainstream audiences would agree with me. I think that within the the cinephile community, within like film festivals and other filmmakers, a lot of them look at the ending of this film and they're like, "Wow, it's so beautiful, it's so deep." Blah 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 blah. But I think it's a cop out, and we can talk about it later.
0: All right, you have to comment below on our Instagram after you've seen this movie who you agree with, because I really want to know. I, I think I think the film. The whole reason of not showing the answer is because he doesn't want to, in the end, pass judgment on either of the characters having been right and wrong. And if at the end he goes, I choose to live with dad at the end, you might take it as, oh, is the director saying at the end that what the dad did was right?
1: Hey, listen, I'm with you. I, I can understand why he did it. I still think it's a cop out. Because to me, I think part of making a film is making a statement or or telling a story or or leaving your audience with a message and i think that he wanted to go through all this trouble of of putting these really messed up situations in front of people in front of his characters and making them talk about whether or not they would do xyz without giving his
0: own answer but wait so like it let's just say there can only be one or two answers yeah she either picks her mom or her dad well let's let's come back how would that make you how of, this, this, is deeper, this is deeper analysis right now. I'm just curious. How does that change your opinion of what the film's about?
1: It it doesn't or necessarily, it but it does. I think not showing it changed my opinion of the film. Because here's okay. here, let me let me compare it to the ending of Inception, okay? Yes. The top in Inception,
2: yeah.
1: I would argue is a red herring. Mm-hmm. In this film, I think that answer is not a red herring. Because the whole film sets that up that's the whole thing that the movie is built on right whereas inception is not around that the the issue in inception is uh this thing of like when will what's his name tom is that his name tom tom i don't remember when will L- remember. leonardo dicaprio's character come to terms with his reality that's what it's mm-hmm. about right that's his like character journey Sure, And by the end of the film, he spins the top and he decides, you know what? I don't need it. And he walks away. And I think that that shows character growth and that's the the story that we're watching. The top at that point doesn't matter to the story anymore. It literally Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. So leaving that up to the audience, I think, is, is a little more of a red herring and it's more like, okay, now you guys can talk about this little aside. But... What happens in their relationship is specifically left up to this question. I still think I I know logically what is happening in that situation, especially because the daughter's crying. And I don't think she would be crying if her answer was to stay with her dad. Mm-hmm. I think she's crying because she's like going to go with her
0: mom um yeah but, and i think the, to the answer the separation there's no doubt there's no ambiguity as to whether or not they end up together they're separated by the end well so, no
1: because because Seemin says directly that if their daughter doesn't go with her that she's gonna stay
0: okay i can't remember i don't remember and the that
1: daughter part. knows that too and and uh the mom asks the daughter, Did you tell your dad that this was only gonna be temporary? Yada yada yada. Cause she's trying to like seeming is trying to push Nader into finally accepting the situation.
0: Okay. I, I I think one of the things, just shifting it a little bit to like the 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 structure of the film, I really like uh the the who done it detective aspect of it. And just in terms of like Instead of there being a victim, it's people's morality. I guess the victim, the dead is the unborn baby is the victim. But like, you know, this idea of like people's morality is at stake. Mm -hmm. So you end up seeing all the first act is like the setup of all the details of what happened. And then the second act is them like, no, it happened like this. I went to the room and you pushed me out the door. And it's like, you're watching this film as an audience. And you're suddenly now trying to remember scenes from the first act. And you're like, wait, Mm -hmm. how did it go then? Like I rewatched the push like three times. How he how nadia pushes Razia out the door because I was like, how does he push? Like, how hard was it? A hard push? Could she have fallen down the stairs? And so you're sort of like replaying those moments in your mind in the second act because you're trying to think of how did I remember it as an mm-hmm. audience? It goes down. How how and hard
1: do you think he pushed? Like, what do you think happened there?
0: I rewatch. I think it's 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 a, it's a pretty hard push, but I don't think he pushed her to, to fall down the stairs. So how did she end alike. up on the stairs? I think she either like slipped down the stairs going down or she was just sitting on the stairs trying to catch her breath after falling. I know she says she fell towards the stairs. But we've but then, already, like, yeah. Not even walks through, but in front of the police show up, he's like recounting the events and saying like he couldn't, have, actually to his daughter, he's like, how could she have fallen this way? She would have either landed on the stairs going up or she would have landed against this railing. She wouldn't have fallen this way. So like, I mean, this is the whole thing about the, I think See, it's, a, I, it's a, I think, yeah
1: especially because the fact that they set up that the stairs were wet i think what likely happened is he pushed her out the door right closed the door and she slipped on the like slipped on that platform and then landed on a step or landed a couple steps down yeah like i think he didn't give her much of a push but i think he totally pushes her out the door and i think it was enough that she could have like slipped on the wet steps
0: But then it's also kind of a moot point because she more in likelihood lost the baby when she got hit by the car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: That's fine. Yeah, Um, I'm saying more just like in that situation because we don't see it on camera. I think given the yeah, I think given the information that we have, I think what likely happened is he pushes her out the door and she
0: slips on the stairs. There's also, I mean, again, just. What I think is, at by the end of the film, you have no real victors or losers. Nobody's coming away from the situation being like, "I won." Mm. There's no right or no wrong. There is like, there is not black and white situation. It's a grading scale. The right? piano a, guys, the piano movers. The piano guys are the winners at the end. And again, this idea of like showing the class divide, just in terms of wrapping up the deeper analysis. My personal interest. Oh, two things I wanted to mention was, did you notice there's like the her trying to close the luggage and she's trying to zip up the luggage when Seemin is first leaving? Mm-hmm. And that's just like a nice like sort of metaphor of like she's trying to leave. She's trying to leave the situation. She's trying to leave this country. She can't close her luggage. It's almost like show don't tell of her struggling to close the luggage. She yeah, can't pack yeah, yeah, her suitcase yeah. rather. And there's a moment when you see the daughter uh, working on her homework and she goes during this sasani. Uh, period dynasty do yeah. you know Sasan, Sasan, Sasanian Sus- yeah, yeah 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 she goes um people were divided into two classes the upper class and the normal class and she's doing that her homework but i'm like oh this is like i i think that you know deeper analysis it's like how things have not changed yet this is like seventh and eighth century uh empire and here we are hundreds of years later and it's like here we are two cl- it's a class divide yet again yeah. you know we're struggling with like fighting against one another
1: yeah best scene I really like the opening scene yeah especially for the dialogue and the and the way that they argue I think if you want to see how to write an argument scene or how to direct an argument scene you should watch the opening scene or the second scene of this film it's done it's, so well
2: چرا حاضر نیست؟ هاج آقا بگی چرا حاضر نیستی چرا نیست؟ خودت میدونی نه نمیدونم لوک بان یه دور دیگه
1: توضیح بده چرا حاضر ایشون نیست؟ یه دلیل برای من بیاره چرا باید توی موقعت باشیم بریم خارج تو یه دلیل بیا چرا باید
0: بمونم من هزار تا دلیل برات میارم یکیشو یکیش پدرم من پدرمو نمیتونم بل کنم بازم بگم ولی
2: زن تو میتونی
0: کنی تو رو بیل کردم تو من چی چی دادگاه من
2: دادخواست
0: زندگی it's a great scene
1: well they're like because they're like yelling over each other they're interjecting midway through they like someone will want to interject and then they stop themselves it's done Mm -hmm. so well
0: i at one point was gonna put um a different scene i had one scene in mind but i'm gonna save it for best quote because i like it better as a quote once I saw the scene that's mostly silent, it became my best scene. So he goes to the doctor to prove that his father has bruises. Cause he's mm-hmm. like, what about me pushing her? She, what, me pushing her. What about Razia? She, Razia, she tied my father to a chair and he got bruises. And he goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, I can't confirm that he got bruises from it. Can you show me these bruises that he has? So there's a scene where Nadia takes his father behind a curtain and starts unbuttoning his dress shirt. Mm-hmm. And halfway through unbuttoning his shirt, he looks at his father. Who's like, a shell of his former self suffering from Alzheimer's and he starts rebuttoning his shirt up and closing his shirt. And the doctor says, are you ready to show me the bruises? He goes, no, I don't know if these bruises I can't confirm. And it's not that he can't confirm it's in that moment. He's got such heartbreak and sympathy for this father that he's like, I'm not going to drag my poor father into this and use him as a prop to help my own cause. Like he kind of feels embarrassed with himself that in that moment, he's unbuttoning his father's shirt, like essentially like, like in front of a doctor. But he's like using, he's like, I'm going to show these bruise, bruises that she caused by tying my father up to a chair. Mm-hmm. But he's like, he goes, no, you know what? This is a bridge too far for him. He's like, I'm not using my father as a pawn. Yeah. And I thought that that scene is so powerful. Very little dialogue. And it, it gives a lot of empathy to the character. He also so did like,
1: he did also ram the door when his dad was behind the door. So it's also possible oh, that's that true. that that's you true. looked at these like that. shoot I could have actually caused these bruises yeah. and because there's a little bit of doubt here Yeah. I don't want to make a a firm claim one way or the other.
0: But that's what's so great about the way fairy does this. He constructs every potential like evidence that the other person can use. The other person has two sides sides to it. Like you could really yeah. argue both cases, which is why it's so uh perfectly crafted. Do you have a least favorite scene? I think so. I I kind of didn't. I, I really tried hard. I tried to find things to, like, say this scene doesn't work for me. But I think this is so well crafted that I don't know what scene you can oh, get yeah. up and go to the washroom for. I do. like, take a break from again okay, it's the last you? scene oh right for you it's so the last yeah. scene yeah which i very much disagree with. and you. like and, and the, li- the she, listeners right now are yelling at you for dece- i don't know for, i just <laughs> i I,
1: th- I think a lot of our filmmaker listeners and a lot of our like cinephile listeners are yelling at me but i think the people who casually watch an iranian film once in a while might be agreeing tucker carlson with yeah tucker carlson Okay. Uh, shout out to my boy i'm just joking <laughs> uh, uh good old tucky tucks you know yeah That's what we call them on the street um i can't yeah i can't no, agree with that because and... it's like it, it's become a it became a running joke amongst the iranians like not iranian filmmakers i just mean like the average iranian about the ending of iranian movies where like movies will basically end halfway through a sentence where you're like wait what what happened they're like uh, it's up to you it's like what do you mean it's up to me like you're trying to tell a story you're trying to make a statement here don't put that to me i can make my own decision very easily whether you answer it or not but so you- what is your answer why did you spend two hours to tell this story if you don't have an answer and and there's tons of movies that end like this in in, in especially during this time period coming out of iran where like the final conclusion or the final answer or like like, oh, is this person dead or not? Does this person fight this person like like what happens? like they just end and you don't know and and it and it became a trope, and I'm glad that it's not really happening anymore um, but it for a few years there it was absolutely a trope in Iranian cinema, and I think that it was it was kind of cheap. It was a cheap way to end your movie. On in a way that makes audiences be like, "Wow, that was so cool! That was so refreshing! That was so different!"
0: I yeah, I just that's fair. I just respectfully disagree. That's fine. I think it's because so you're a well cinephile. This one. It's
1: because you're a cinephile. You ask, yeah. you go grab ten random people off the street, ten average people, and show them this movie, and and ask them if they like the ending or not. We. We can appreciate the ending because we understand what he's trying to do, but I don't think it's fair to just make movies for the enlightened, because it I goes back to that thing of having classes, right? It might not be a financial class, but it's definitely a class of of those who are artistically enlightened and the average person. And I don't like it. I think it's elitist.
0: So, so all this—if she had said, "I want to stay with Simi and my mom," that that changes that. That everything is the film is. Like perfect for you, if that last line is "I want to stay with my mom." I want Farhadi to make his point. I think whether, he does. I don't
1: think so. I I can I can discern what I think is the likely point, mm-hmm. but I think that him refusing to give that answer is such a cop out.
0: I okay. I would just argue that I don't think the point of the film was whether or not this film. Like, whether or not this couple is going to end up together. But how do you say that?
1: Together? The whole movie is built on, on that decision. You find out that everything traces back to that. It's not like the Inception thing. Because in Inception, it's, it's a total aside whether or not he's in a dream or not at the end. Because the point of Inception is Leonardo DiCaprio's character is he's still obsessed over what is and is not his reality. At the end of the day he he decides for himself he he gains that agency and he goes, "You know what this is what I'm gonna do." We see him walk away we see him make that decision we see the decision that the character makes here we don't see it and and I and I don't like that
0: but so many other characters make other decisions so many more important characters make much more important decisions throughout the film
1: but this is the nexus of every problem in the film Comes whether or not back- the
0: daughter stays with the mom or dad yes. I just think there's a difference between catalyst and uh, you know inciting incident in terms of what the film is trying to say. I think the film starts with a family, a family that's being broken apart, and because of that, that's a catalyst to much worse things to happen. The inciting incident of the film isn't that this couple is breaking up; it's that this guy has pushed a woman in, in his despair, in his anger, in his frustration, in his entrapment with the societal position that he's got. He's he made a mistake. Or he was over. He let, let his temper get the best of him, and now multiple families have to pay the price for this.
1: You think that's the inciting incident?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's the first. Minutes. I think that that's the turning point. But I don't think that's the inciting incident. I think the inciting incident is the divorce. Yeah, because you so get like go. you get like two minutes in, and then it's like, oh well, they're getting divorced, and then it comes down to the the question of the daughter. I think right down. Know, you know what I would have been okay with? I think if at mm. the end of the movie, if we see, for example, see me and say, you know what, whether she comes or not, I'm going. If she said something mm. like that, then I think leaving the daughter's answer ambiguous is totally fine because mm. now it doesn't matter anymore. Then it's the inception situation where we see our protagonist walk away. They've gone, you know what? I'm making my decision like it is no mm-hmm. longer based on this or that I have changed. This is the decision I'm going to make. This is what I'm sticking by. Right. Then it doesn't matter. It's still like, mm-hmm. it's still definitely a question that's left up to the audience. It's super important, but I think we get a resolution on that problem. But the fact that she's still at the end of the film, it's <laughs> left up to whether what the daughter says, I was like, get out like, this is, You're infuriating.
0: For the listeners, (laughs) Farhan's currently standing on his desk, screaming into the camera. He's put his shoes on and he's got one leg up against the wall. He's livid right now. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's a fair point. I just disagree with it. I, I, but it's good that we have disagreeing opinions.
1: I mean, do you think it's fair to make a movie like this and and that you know general audiences are going to hate the ending? Because you're, like, you're banking I don't think on general the audiences hate
0: the. I don't think general audiences hate this ending. I mean, the general audience review, not from critics on this, is 92%. But, Kavit, what general audiences are watching this movie? I don't know. It, it won an Oscar, so it probably got way more um, acclaim and recognition and uh, 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 got a wider release than any your, other Onion film.
1: Your average, your average film viewer who's, who's like, on the street... Is not watching this movie. They're, yeah, I, don't, I mean, the mere, are, they're, they're, the watching, they're audience... watching
0: Transformers. Sure. Right? And it's, it's not the same. They're not, the films aren't for, necessarily for that same audience. Like those, the average film viewers are watching the Mark Wahlberg Transformers movies. Sure. I don't think, if I already made this film with the Transformers audience in mind.
1: Maybe. <laughs> but I think a good movie, I think a good movie can transcend target demographics.
0: But I just think that this clearly did. <laughs> I
1: don't think it did. I think any of the other movies that we've watched, any of the other movies that we watched, you show it to that audience that likes those Transformers movies and they'll still enjoy them. I think oh, this you don't one... Think, and
0: you don't think they would? I we think, have to do a test. I think they would be pissed off at the ending of this film. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that'd that be great. So see, find someone that you know who hasn't watched any Iranian films and show them this film and ask them what they thought. I know people who have.
1: And they didn't like it, but I'll find more. Okay, find one more. I even know Damn Iranians... That- one last thing. I even know Iranians who are not in the film industry who've watched this movie, and I've been like, oh, what did you think of of separation? It won an Oscar, blah, 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 at the time, and all of them hated it, because they were all like, our lives are already frustrating. I don't need to watch this frustrating movie. And I'd be like, well, what do you think of the ending? What do you think happens? They're like, I don't care. It was a waste of my time.
0: You... You and Hojat, the cobbler, were sitting there having a douche at the bar, and he told me he was frustrated. (laughs) Uh, Okay, damn, that's poetry. Let's move on. Sit back down in your chair. Get off your desk. (laughs) Put your shoes back on. Damn, that's poetry. Do you have a favorite quote? Uh, Yes, I do. Go for it. Uh, Let me pull it up.
1: Oh, yeah, this one. No, God and his prophets are only for people like you.
0: And what scene does he say that in?
1: He says it. Uh, when they're arguing in front of the judge, like yeah, against. Not, yeah. Yeah. there says it. And I to love the
0: judge.
1: it. Not to the judge. He says it to. Oh,
0: right. To the other couple. Yeah. Right, yeah.
1: To. What's his name? Hojat?
0: Hojat and Razia.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hojat and Razia. Yeah. He says it to them. <laughs>
2: and,
1: and I loved it because. Uh, We've all met people who sometimes have a sense of like self-piety, whether it be from your own religion, a different religion, no religion, like this this sanctimonious, holier-than-thou type of demeanor. And I I love that he threw that in their face, and I love that he did it in this movie and in a movie that was made in Iran. I was Mm -hmm. like, yo, that's... That's a pretty powerful statement to make in a movie like this. And I'm, I'm actually shocked that that line made it past Iranian censorship.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Because you know for a fact that like Farhadi's throwing that at the government, not just like he's throwing it at like the morality police. It's at the government. It's about the people who are like propping up and empowering the government.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I love that line. It's
0: so good. It's a good one. I had a, mine was a Hojat quote, which was at one point was going to be my favorite scene. But it's when he's really blowing up in front of the judge when the cops are taking him away. Hmm. And he says, aren't you ashamed? You're a man. He's saying to Nader. He goes, for God's sake, listen to us for a change. He is twisting everything. He beat my wife and she miscarried. I lost everything. You think I feared jail? Go fear God, which he says to the judge. And the judge gives him a dirty look. And he goes, I worked 10 years as a cobbler and then they told me to get out of here. The problem is, I can't talk like this guy. I'm hot-tempered. I lose my and then he just starts hitting himself.
2: You're not you're a man. you're well, This is you I'm well, well, Why do you want to blame a man? Well, I to I am I'm 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 and he's yeah. like, and he bangs his
0: head against the door. And this is, first of all, it's a freaking beautifully powerful scene. The acting is so good. I get chills watching it, but also, I think, like, it's just such a It's such a uh, tableau of the difference between these. He's getting frustrated because Nadir can calmly uh, explain his situation and his station. And Mm -hmm. he's using it good vocabulary. And he's using um, almost like patience to a certain degree. Like he loses his temper. And Hojat is hot-tempered. He's Mm -hmm. Mm hot-headed. He's lower class. He doesn't have the language skills that uh, Nadir does. Mm -hmm. So he's just like getting mad because he can't get his argument out to the judge and he's being carried away and he's losing it. And I thought that that's honestly like such a powerful scene. It's honestly tied for my favorite scene as well, but I'm going to give it damn that's poetry favorite.
1: Cool. It it also shows how self-aware he is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite performance.
1: It's hard to say. Who is
0: it for you? It's very hard for me to say because I wanted to shout out three or four. Uh, Shahab Hosseini. Is it Shahab or Shahab? Shahab. Shahab Hosseini, who plays Hojat, who I just said is the lord, husband of Razia. He's so, so good. good. Yeah, he's, he's so, so good. good. Payman Mahdi, who plays Nader, also like very prolific Iranian actor, well known he's in a lot of movies. Yeah. He's Mo'ayedi. so good in this scene. Moadi? Mo'ayedi. Moayedi.
1: It's a, I believe it's a very Arab name. Moayedi. It's spelled M-A-A-D-I. Because he, he changed it, I think, for... Um for European audiences.
0: But I he see. used to go by Paymon Moayedi. I see. Okay. That's good. Interesting. What about um and then also uh, Sare Bayat who plays Razia. It's mm-hmm. like it looks like Sara, but it's Sare. Maybe Sara. S- I don't know. Uh yeah, I don't know. Bayat. And Leila Hatami, who plays Simin. All four of them, all the four leads are incredible. If I had to give it to just one, one of where I'd go to Moayedi, Muayedi. Yeah. But also a shout out to Ali Asghar Shabazi who played Nader's father. Don't you think oh, he's he great was playing? he was so good. To play an Alzheimer's patient. Look, have you seen his IMDb credits? He's got two things. Yeah, two things. Something else in this. He's so
1: good. Yeah, he was incredible.
0: It's he's very good performance. There's a scene when he, like, Simeon's first packing her bags to leave and he's just sitting there shaking his hands. He says, Simeon. And he grabs her hand. And Seeming cause not there to like help, mm. he won't let go because in that moment of maybe slight lucidity, he realized that Seeming's leaving in a yeah, way. Yeah, like these little subtle things. I'm like, he's moving like an old person with Alzheimer's. He's speaking. He's trembling. It's I'm like, where did this actor come from? Very yeah. Good. But Paymon's my guy, so that's my one award.
1: Yeah, I think Paymon might be my guy too. Yeah, but like like you say, like it's hm. so hard to pick. Yeah, between all these different people, but yeah, he's probably probably uh, the one I would also go with.
0: Okay, let's go nitpicks and hot takes. I'll let you just take over for a few minutes cuz I'm just, I'm guessing based on the way the conversation is going, you loved the ending. I mean, and we already expel-
1: We already talked about the ending at length, but the one other hot take and nitpick I have, it's probably more of a nitpick than a hot take, is I yeah. didn't realize that um Farhari's daughter who plays mm-hmm. the daughter in the film, who plays Terme. She's I'm supposed kidding. to be like 10 years old, but Farhadi's daughter was like 13 or 14 when she played yeah. her. And like she's a tall 13-year-old already, so yeah. she just looks yeah. like a teenager. And I remember the first couple times watching the movie, her character bugged me cuz I was like, "Why is she do I was like, "Why is she so dumb?" And then this time when I was rewatching it, I was like, "Oh, she's supposed to be 10." So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, her her actions throughout the film, her dialogue, what she's doing, like everything made much more sense because she's supposed to be ten years old. And I think Farhadi should have either aged up the dialogue in some of her actions, mm-hmm. or he should have just gotten someone who was younger to play that role. Maybe this was like a Sofia Coppola situation where like last minute. They Lost the actor and he threw his daughter in. I have
0: no idea, but you think Winona Ryder was supposed to play Terme in this? Yeah, film it was probably supposed to be him?
1: Winona Ryder, and then and it's then missed. he was like, you know what, we should do what Coppola did. And then they were like, yeah. they're like, oh, you mean hire your daughter? And he's like, oh no, I meant we should get Sophia Coppola to play the daughter, yeah, but was that was makes more sense. That, yeah. So let's
0: let's do that. What has aged poorly for you? I've got a rant, you do, yeah, I got a huge thing. I don't know mm-hmm. if I have one. Oh, you,
1: can, I, can I, before we get into What Age Poorly, I remember what my last deeper analysis was. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, when they say, all right, guys, we've settled it. Here's your checks. Let's just, for the sake of settling this forever, grab a horon and let's all swear what we actually did on the horon." Right? Well, no, he specifically
0: then- asks Razia to do it.
1: Sure, yeah, so he says, "I just need you to swear on the quran what your yeah. testimony is,
0: right, yeah,
1: and whatever you say i'll I'll accept it because I know you're a holy woman, right, mm-hmm. and we've um and so when she goes into the kitchen and she's taking too long, and hojat comes in, and hojat starts hitting himself, mm-hmm. do you think that that's supposed to be a wink wink nudge nudge to the audience that he is maybe being violent with her as opposed to himself?
0: No, I think it's that's one of his like weird, um, hot-tempered things because he's doing it several times. He hits himself when he's fighting with Nadir too. Yeah, a few times. That and I He noticed, hits himself yeah. when the judge is taking him away. He hit, bangs his head against things. So I think one of his things is that I just think that the film that the, the film tilts the scales way towards one family. If also on top of everything. Hojat has been beating his wife and his abusive partner. I think it's very important that he But they isn't already an confirmed
1: partner. that he was.
0: Well, it's not it's it's vague again because the daughter says she's been drawing pictures of them yet arguing. And and the tutor's like, "Do they argue a lot?" And then he gets mad and goes to the school and says, "How dare you try to go get my daughter to say I hit him? Where do I hit him? Where did you hear that?" So, you could infer from that that he's offended because he's like, "You That's tried true. to get my daughter That's true. Especially cuz in, in Persian,
1: especially cuz in Persian she says dava, which could be, yeah, physical or woman. verbal.
0: Yeah, and he's he like very like he makes so it even a point to is, go to the school to yeah. like say like how dare you say that. So it's it's vague, but I also think it's important that he wasn't abusing her because then that's you true. Could just that's be Like it could have been one of the many times he hit her that she lost. the Yeah,
1: game. I one little character trait that I liked. I liked that when she is when uh, Razia is about to take. Um, the dad to like clean him and like change his stuff or whatever. She like calls an imam to be like, yeah, <laughs> is it okay if I like, this is the situation. They're like, well, what about this? She's like, well, he's like 90. Yeah. He's also seen that. Like, she's like coming up with all these little things Yeah. so she can get an imam to like weigh in on whether or not it's allowed. And it reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's this video online where this Muslim guy calls into this like satellite TV imam during Ramadan mm-hmm. to be okay. like he's like hey uh I I need to know if this is okay or not he's like okay he's like I accidentally broke my fast he's like okay well what happened and he's like well I was walking and then I tripped and then there was a shawarma laying there and and I tripped and my mouth opened up and I and I landed on the shawarma and I ate the shawarma <laughs> is that okay and the yeah. and the guy just like dumbfounded and he's like if that's exactly what happened, then like I'm sure God will be forgiving whatever he's like, oh, and then like this happened and like water also got into my throat and whatever, whatever. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, Is it's this a real really, clip or is it It's like a, a real clip. And then he realizes no, really the familiar. guy is
0: like trolling him. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah. The guy yeah, who I calls
1: like- is definitely trolling the TV right. mom, but it it actually happened.
0: Yeah, I like the fact that there is this sort of like she calls the like the Muslim hotline of like how to keep chaste and purity because she's conflicted about this you know if i on one hand is it a sin if i leave this helpless old man but on the other hand i have to take his pants off to help him clean himself what yeah do I do? and
1: that's that's why there's like yeah. why the clergy got so much power in iran yeah. is because a lot of people felt so much guilt making their own decisions on certain on nuanced situations mm-hmm. that they all became so dependent on asking these religious scholars hey what is the right thing to do here what's the wrong mm-hmm. thing to do because they didn't want to make a decision for themselves
0: do you know what i mean yeah. and,
1: and and it and it led to them getting an insane amount
0: of power i think uh i mean yeah because the, the, the cause this stuff that we're talking about I, the, it's just i want to give a shout out to like Razia's character is so well written too because you can see this constant she's conflicted with her faith that whole thing about like not wanting to take the money you mentioned it wasn't even just that the money She's like, I'll feel guilty if I take the money. She's like, I feel like I'll curse us and bad things will happen to our child. Yeah, if, yeah. If, like by my faith, I take this money that I know I might. She's lying like, God about. will punish us. And, and even when too- she
1: leaves uh, the house, when she's leaving um, uh, Nader's house, she's like, God will have his justice, whatever. And then you push. Well, her and daughter. that's the thing.
0: She won't leave at first because she's like, it's really important for me for you to know I did not steal your money. Yeah. yeah, how dare you accuse me? Like, I, if I leave, then it looks like I've stolen your money. And I've in gone fact, with it. I'm she says clearing because-
1: her name of that is more important to her than the life than of the her child. unborn child.
0: Yeah, it's such a fascinating character. She's so well written and so well rounded. Yeah, it's just a really interesting character. I,
1: I, the her, her character flaw that I really didn't like was the fact that she was a little bit too much of a pushover, and that she mm-hmm. wasn't willing to sometimes like just take charge and like and tell people what to do or like stand up for Mm -hmm. herself or whatever even even to a point where her own kid will sometimes be doing stuff that she shouldn't do or will like wander off Mm -hmm. and i'm like dude control your kid Mm -hmm. like especially in this situation like you have a little girl there's like this senile man over that you need to control your kid and she's like playing with his oxygen tank and all this stuff and yeah. <laughs> yeah she's like dragging garbage along the stairs and it's
0: like ugh, like the first time I saw the movie, the very first time not knowing where it was going, I thought she was gonna kill the the little girl was gonna accidentally kill the grandfather by like pushing something on the oxygen tank. yeah 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 and I was like, oh, this is one of those irani movies like something innocent kid gets some I thought it was gonna go that way for sure and yeah it's not too far off, but it's something like that. What aged poorly? Okay, hit us. Are you ready for this? Yeah, hit me. It's in us. There's a bunch of people listening right now. We're live. (laughs) In October 31st, New Yorker story titled, Did the Oscar-winning director Asghar Fahadi steal ideas was published, featuring multiple Iranian filmmakers and creatives claiming that Asghar Fahadi stole ideas from students at his filmmaking workshops. These additional testimonies come as a plagiarism lawsuit filed by Fahadi's former student, Azadeh Masizadeh, awaits a final verdict in appellate Court in Iran, An Iran court has moved forward on plagiarism charges against two time Oscar winning Iranian director in a case accusing him of stealing the premise of his new film, A Hero, from an earlier documentary called All Winners, All Losers, made by Azadeh Masizadeh, a former film student of Iran. I'm just reading headlines here, Yeah. Listen yeah. to this. And then later on, a court in Tehran found evidence Farhadi violated Masjeddeh's copyright for *All Winners, All Losers* and of plagiarizing key elements of the documentary for his film without crediting Masizadeh. The case will now pass to a second judge, whose ruling can be can then be challenged in an appellate court. The judge can also order the case to be reexamined. Then, six months later, Farhadi sued Masjeddeh for defamation, and the Iranian courts found Masjeddeh not guilty, according to the Hollywood Reporter article. So Farhadi went after them and, like sued her, saying like this isn't true. Many allege that Farhadi has also used their idea or work without asking for permission or giving credit, and often credited himself. Among those are Farhadi's former classmate and playwright Ali Khodsiani, Iranian author and playwright Abbas Chahangirian, Iranian director Mani Hariri, and three former students, Azadeh Masizadeh, Mustafa Pur Mohammadi, and a third student who didn't go on record and asked to be remained. Asked to remain anonymous. Oh, I know anonymous. Uh, Separations executive producer, (laughs) Negar Eskandarfar, Eskandarfar, has also accused Farhadi of signing a deal without her knowledge, which she alone had the authority to sign. After the film was considered for submission for an Academy Award, she said she felt as if she had no choice but to write a letter stating that she transferred her rights to Farhadi and to backdate it. So it appeared as if it had been drafted before Farhadi signed the international contract. Iranian actress Taraneh Ali Dusti, who has worked on four of Farhadi's movies, has also supported Masihzada's claims, saying that she believes her, she uh, believes her, and called Farhadi a premier gaslighter. Iranian actress Golshifteh Farahani, who has worked with Farhadi on About Ellie, also came forward about how Farhadi managed to make her feel guilty and advised her to write a letter and ask for forgiveness, stating that she now regrets appearing in public without hijab. Wait, she wrote, just wrote a letter to who to ask for forgiveness? I think writing a letter to ask for forgiveness to, uh, for, uh, stating I mean, that re- she now, to I think to the government, maybe to, stating that she now regrets appearing in public without a hijab. Oh God. I think to the government. Oh my God. She described him. Um, this is Farahani. She described him as a person who wants to benefit from both sides, the people and the government. So there's a long list of people who have been accusing him. It's not quite a me too thing, but they're like, he straight up steals ideas. He runs He did one in Toronto that, um, one of my friends, uh, I I knew a few friends who went too. the play, the playwright, the writing, he did like a screenwriting class, right? He did. Yeah. He
1: did a, he did a workshop.
0: I didn't end up going. I'd heard about it. I considered it, but apparently he does a lot of these workshops and students come up later on being like, he just straight up stole my, like he heard my idea. And then like a year later, I see that this film's in development. Right, so that's or, not like even not great, th-
1: and and I guess that would because you said that some people from one of his classes said this about this film too, right? Which which yeah. I I wouldn't, I mean, it would make sense because there's so many messed up situations in this one movie where any one of those situations could be the plot of a movie itself. So the fact that he's like taking these little streams of ideas, um. Now I will say one thing. <clears throat> legally speaking if he took these ideas from workshops that happened outside of Iran technically it's not copyright as long as the film only releases in Iran because Iran is not a signatory of the berne convention but as soon as you're talking about stealing ideas within Iran for a movie released in Iran then it violates Iranian copyright law or if it's from outside of Iran and he releases it outside it it uh it's a violation of um, international copyright laws. I'm not saying that it's morally correct. I'm just saying there's like, there's a little bit of room there for some loosey goosey interpretations.
0: Yeah. And maybe that idea is why he felt he can get it. Like he can do these things and have no legal consequences. But he released the films internationally. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I don't, yeah. It's, it's been, it's been um, interesting to see that the the courts have all sided with um, Massey's idea yeah. on this. And I think I that it's. I that.
1: It's. I think typically, if the court is siding with a woman on something in Iran, like there's got to be a ridiculous amount of evidence, probably like twice that's, as that's, much evidence. Because, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, because yeah, the value of a man, according to the Iranian legal system, is twice that of a woman.
0: Well, according to the Iranian audiences, and you have multiple. You said this to me multiple times behind closed doors. You always tell me that the value <laughs> This
1: of is a not man. true. This is. Just making sure that audiences know Kava is making a joke. This is double
0: feature lineup.
1: Um, a marriage story. Okay, it'll I be a very Kramer. stressful evening, but that's the one.
0: Yeah, I'd take this and Kramer versus Kramer, which is another divorce story, mm-hmm. one of its first in the of its kind in Hollywood, and Dustin Hoffman's in it. He's incredible in it.
1: Oh, I thought it was a uh, a movie about Kramer from Seinfeld fighting his clone.
0: You know, I think that joke has been done on Family Guy and on t shirts. Has it really? Yeah. There's this Family Guy joke that was also like Kramer versus Predator. That's so funny. Is that Kramer versus Kramer? Can this be a modern Hollywood remake? I mean, yeah. I don't see why not. I see it could be like more because this film done in English would be interesting to see just to get a broader opinion, but broader. Audience, but I don't, I don't think it's necessary.
1: If it if it becomes a Hollywood ending, it, it gets
0: a real ending. Yeah, that's the ending you want. They all kind of hold hands into the sunset Even if, one united Even family. if...
1: I, I would actually... God. I wouldn't be surprised if the Hollywood ending of this is it's still left vague what the daughter decides, but I think right before you get a scene where the, the wife makes a decision, where she's like, I can't take it anymore, I'm leaving. Because now at least... We know what's going to happen regardless. And then the the decision with the daughter is kind of left as, as
0: audience discussion. I really want people, listeners of this podcast, to just go, well, I'll make an Instagram post about this and come back to this if you feel compelled. And just... Just right where you where you do you agree with Farn that this ending should have actually revealed the uh, the uh, way which way they landed, or do you agree with or, me that, that it's perfect as it is,
1: or that we should have at least seen Seeming make a decision?
0: Yeah, right.
1: It's not specifically the fact that we don't see her make an answer; it's the fact that the whole movie stemmed from that, from whether or not they get the separation. The movie is literally called Separation, like all this stuff. Because if the if the way that the movie ends, the daughter's answer will determine whether or not they get separated. However, I'm arguing that if Seemin had made the decision before, then you can still end the movie this way. But, but doing both, I think, is, is what is the cop-out. Also, our audience is, they're like, they are the, the cinephile audience. We're not getting people And Farn are, hates you guys, yeah, by the way. He guys. hates you. You
0: elitist he, scum. He wants Joe from Scarborough to, tell, to phone in and tell us what he thinks.
1: What is the Mr. and Mrs. McGillicuddy from Saskatoon?
0: <laughs> Please call in. Yeah. Final thoughts and grades.
1: I think it is a master class in telling a stressful story. And in having mm-hmm. very um, nuanced characters, I think mm-hmm. argument scenes are done incredibly well. Like some of the best I've ever seen. Had it not been for the way that the film ended, I would have probably given it a higher grade. I'm probably gonna give the movie...
0: this has to be good. I don't
1: know. A B plus? B? B plus? I'm like okay. Your lowest between grade a, ever. B a B or plus. It is not my lowest grade ever. <laughs> no, I know a B or a B plus. Um,
0: Great. And if they, if the ending, if Seeming said, "And I love you, let's stay together," what would you give it? Probably a B. But if 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 Seeming
1: had said, "I'm leaving no matter what," I probably would have given the film an A or an A plus.
0: I give the film an A. It's, it's pretty damn near perfect, in my opinion. I actually think I'm uh, conflicted about Fireheart as a director. I think he's good, very good. This was one of the films that got me back into interested in watching. This is my favorite Hardy film, by the way. I've seen most of his films. This, is, this to me, stands out way above and beyond a Salesman or a Hero or About Ellie or that one, the French one he did, which I can't remember. Wow.
1: Um, so yeah.
0: cultured what's the why because i can't remember the french one or no no
1: because you watch all of his movies
0: i can't even remember the name of the french one anyways um but so it's my favorite and yeah i just think it's a near perfect film Rewatching re-watching it again this time was a joy and i just think it's a very good master class in screenwriting despite the fact that he probably stole some of these ideas from other students which yeah is not I, cool man. i think
1: that also impacted my grade to be honest like i don't think i can i can watch his film's Without that in mind,
0: any other thoughts? Final thoughts?
1: No, I'll give it a B plus because, like, I I know for sure that this the plagiarism stuff is definitely impacting my my grade, mm-hmm. so I'm probably gonna give it a B plus. And if and if if we had seen Seemian say, regardless, I'm leaving, I
0: probably would have given the film an A plus. Yeah, A plus plus probably. <laughs> Favorite film of all time. Uh, I'm going to wrap up. The Oscar winning A Separation is a film of being trapped. Trapped in life. Trapped in a lie. Trapped in circumstance or trapped by the truth. A dichotomy of classes and a small action that snowballs into something tragic is all that's needed to propel two families' life into turmoil. It's on its surface a simple or rather straightforward film that offers no easy answers. But by the end, you're left seeing a maestro. The maestro Farhadi. A magician having revealed his trick. Where the titular separation doesn't serve much of the plot, but serves rather <laughs> as a catalyst to talk about something much larger, the entrapment that is modern Iranian life is brought to full focus. We will argue about this um, off podcast, but please write in and tell uh, Faran how wrong he is, or feel free to tell me how wrong I am. But I'm very interested to know where everyone stands. And hey, you Joe from Scarborough, McGulliguddy from Alberta, please South let us know. Saskatoon, Saskatoon. That's in
1: Saskatchewan. Um, yes. So just to wrap up our score, our average score is an A- minus from the yes. Cinema Rex podcast.
0: Our lowest mark, yet. Uh, <laughs> I know it's not. I know yeah, it's
1: not. I was like, why do you keep saying that? That's not even true.
0: All right. Thank you for listening. For Cinema Rex, I'm Kevin. And I am Farhan. The Omidididhar. Bye. Bye. Music for Cinema Rex was written and performed by Sohaila Sadineja.